We're in this series called Wonder, and the subtitle is Awaken to Worship, and we decided to do this because we, as we talked about how we start this year, I think it's so easy to maybe to give in to skepticism in our culture. So easy to, to opt for cynicism instead of faith, to opt for doubt instead of hope, to actually um, go negative instead of be positive. And the worship of God is rooted in the mystery and wonder of creation and the mystery and wonder of what God has done throughout humanity. And all we have to do is look. And, and what, we, what we really discover is that humans have worship in their DNA. It is automatic. It's in us. You go to any sports event. Any UT fans in the room? Three? Good. It's nice. Listen, if you go, if you go to any sports event, what do you find people doing? They're, they're like, well, first of all, let me just say this. I've been to UT games. It's four hours of standing. I will never listen to any church person complain about us standing for 25 minutes. <laughs> but it's not just standing. It's they're singing songs, right? With fun lyrics to them. And they're singing about their team. And then they all curse at the same time. And then when the play goes good, what do they do? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, they, they, go, they, they, they go nuts. They lift their hands. You go to any sports event, you will see people being loud. Unless they're losing. <laughs> and if they're losing, they're very quiet. So the question for us is, are we losing? Go to any um, popular music artist concert, and what do you see? Singing all the words. You know, occasionally they'll get some help, but, it's, you know, it's not... There's a lot of stuff going on in those concerts, but... Here, my point is we naturally gravitate. We naturally gravitate to the, the engagement of something that is beyond us. Artistry, a team. What do we call that team? It's our team, isn't it? We won the game. You're not even on the team. You don't play football. But it's yours. And so I just... I just think it's important to ask the question, why is our worship so small when our God is so big? Are we tainted in some way? Are we selective in our worship? This week we're gonna talk about whole person worship. Say it with me, whole person worship. Because the way we worship is so important. And it's clear that worship is a big, broad subject, and we're tackling it in a few weeks, but worship is an expression of our love and obedience to God. I don't know if you remember this, but everybody look up here at the screen. We spent about a whole semester and a half on something called the Surrender Solution. Okay, we haven't left Surrender Solution. It's, 
it's, it's just percolating under the surface. And I want you to realize that every series that we do this year will follow this pattern. It's gonna follow the pattern. We're just gonna go, we're just gonna go around the circle. So right now, we're in a pattern, we're in a, a, a series on worship, which is right in the center. Right in the center. Because we could define worship as love plus obedience. Obedience and love of God. That is a definition of worship. In fact, it's an equation. Love plus obey, obey equals worship. And I think, we can, I think we could take that and realize that if we'll love him and obey him, our lives will begin to respond in worship. The first people of God, the first God followers, were so full of love, so full of wanting to obey God that there's a hymn, there's a hymn book in the Old Testament called the Psalms. And in it, actually throughout the whole Bible, you find the people of God being encouraged to express their praise and worship to God in really aggressive fashion. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just highlight a few of these, all right? Here, there. The first one is the lifting of hands. I love, 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I want everyone everywhere to lift innocent hands toward heaven and pray without being angry or arguing with, other, with each other. Lifting up hands, what one version says holy hands. What, when, you, when you lift up your hands, you're either celebrating or you're surrendering. And both are good. Clapping of hands. We clap our hands. Psalm 47, 1. Come, everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise. I just want to remind you that we're not clapping for Taylor, who did a great job leading worship at the end of this. I mean, you can clap for him. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying when we finish a song like that, it's like, yes. We're, we're not saying, good job, band. We're saying God is on his throne. Sometimes we forget that. Standing is another way to worship God, which I've already mentioned. The aforementioned UT four-hour games, Exodus 33.10, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of, to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each of the, at the entrance to their tent. Kneeling or bowing, Psalm 95, 6 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Singing, Exodus 15, 21, and Miriam sang this song, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. It's a great old song. Does everybody remember that? You people are too old. I'm not singing it. Revelation 5.9 says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. What you find is you find singing at the beginning of the scripture and you find singing at the end. And in fact, you, you find singing all the way through. Occasionally you'll have sad, mournful, repentant singing through the scriptures because the people of God ended up in some terrible places, some terrible situations, and the reason was because they ceased to worship God. They started worshiping idols, and the 
idolatrous worship led them astray into all kinds of stuff that broke their culture, that broke their relationships, that ruined their lives. And you see it, dancing. What? Yeah, there's a scripture here that talks about foursquare dancing. It's really, it's really, I'm just kidding. There's no foursquare. But there is dancing. 2 Samuel 6, 14 through 15 says, wearing a linen ephon, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. Shouting. I guess I missed, I missed musical instruments, didn't I? Let's go back to musical instruments. Musical instruments, Psalm 150 says, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with the harp and the lyre, praise him with the timbrel and dancing, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with clash of cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals. It's nothing better than resounding cymbals. Something about it that just, it engages you. Shouting, tell everyone on earth to shout praises to God, Psalm 66 says. Sing about his glorious name, honor him with praises. I have news for you, people. Heaven is loud. Heaven is loud. There's actually about 30 minutes of silence. You can read it, it is in Revelation chapter eight. <laughs> 30 minutes of silence, but the rest of the time it's very loud, it's very much a worship service to the king, to the creator, to the one who was and is and is to come. A.W. Tozer said, any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Consider this, the primary word for praise in the Old Testament is halal, halal, which means to boast, to shine, to be clamorous, to rave, to make a show, to celebrate. It is the extemporaneous and unsolicited response to a favorable and joyful situation. It's where we get the word, it's part of the word hallelujah. It's putting together that word halal and Yahweh. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, you have given us a favorable and joyful situation. Regardless of our sin, regardless of our downfalls, regardless of our failures, regardless of the broken world around us, you have a good purpose and plan for us, so we worship you. I think there are encouragements all through the scriptures that assist us in becoming worshipers. Not just in this room, but outside this room. And I want, to, I want to teach you a little bit about this today. Whole person worship in Mark chapter 12, if you want to go there with me, Mark chapter 12. You can also follow along, of course, in your message notes. All you gotta do is click on the QR code there <clears throat> on your seat back pocket and hit next steps. You'll see it right there. Uh, you can follow along with me in message notes. <clears throat> but here's Mark chapter 12, verse 28 says, one of the religion scholars came up, I'm reading this in the Message Bible, which is the modern day version. It says, hearing the lively exchanges of question and answer and seeing how sharp Jesus was in his answers, he put in his question. Which is most important of all the commandments? Jesus said, the first in importance is listen, Israel. The Lord your God is one. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6. 
He's quoting a passage known as the Shema. And it, 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 it starts with, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It means he is the only one and there is no other. He is above all. And so he quotes this, and then he says, and then he kind of interprets it. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here is the second, love others as well as you love yourself. There is no commandment that ranks with these. These are the top ones. These are the two. These are the two that define worship. And so, so many of us, I think, compartmentalize our lives. You know, there's a segmenting of our lives that goes on. We put things in categories and then, and then we, we kind of push them apart. And so it, I, I think it's important to realize that what Jesus is talking about here, what the scriptures are talking about here when it says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is he's saying you gotta make sure that worship is affecting all four of those areas of your life. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. We said the Nicene Creed today. We said it because, and we've been saying it in the history of our church because I'm convinced we have to worship more intellectually than just emotionally. I'm cool with emotions, but we're gonna talk about them here in a second. But we gotta worship with our heart and we gotta worship with our mind and we gotta worship with our actions, our physical being. Do you know what happens when you separate your body from your soul? Yes, that's right, you die, you're dead. (laughs) And yet people just keep doing this. They mistreat their body and it crushes their soul. They mess with their soul because they get attached to all kinds of relational things or things, get, things that they get involved in that they shouldn't. And it, and it hurts their heart. It hurts their spirit. It hurts their body. God wired you up with all these areas. And I want to encourage you. He wants your heart, but he wants your head and he wants your hands. He wants it all. And why does God want it all? What's the big deal? Why is he so greedy? Well, the Bible does say that God is jealous for us. And people think about that jealous. He's, the thing about God is he's perfectly jealous, and that doesn't make sense to us because we, we know jealousy is not a good quality. But let me put it in these terms. I think it would be silly to say to my wife, you know, I love you with my mind and with my soul, but as for my body, I'm also gonna love this other person over here. Does that work? (laughs) It doesn't? (laughs) Then why is it so common? That's crazy. You guys, we have to worship the one true God and we need to do it holistically. And that means you gotta give him everything because, and here's why. Well, the reason he wants everything is because he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. That's the basis of it. It's nothing more than that. And because God created you, he knows what's best for you. Which means he knows 
that worship, when you become a worshiper of the Most High, something's gonna change in you for the better. People get, you know, bent out of shape here. God doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need it. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need all this worship talk. It's not about what he needs from us. What he did is he created us, and he created us in a perfect environment, the Garden of Eden, the perfect scenario for Adam and Eve, the perfect living space, the best that there was, the perfect job, take care of the garden, the perfect boss, God himself, the perfect world was made for humans, and they messed it up. They took it for themselves. But you gotta remember that God knows how you're made. And therefore, he wants you to enter into the activities, the activities, the actions, to engage in worship in a way that empties you of yourself and allows you to be filled up. So I want to get you, give you a few ideas here. Number one, expressive worship is a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. When you're raising your hands, something happens to your spirit because you raised your hands. Because you're, you're all connected. You're not disconnected, it's all wired up. So when you're standing here with your coffee and that's your worship position, kind of watching the words go by, is it any wonder nothing might go on in here? You're, you're connected. You're connected up. So you gotta, you gotta get that. It's a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. I know some of you are introverts. How many introverts we got in the room? Come on. See, they don't even wanna raise their hands. Just kidding. <laughs> if I said, how many extroverts in the room? See, it's, it's terrible, it's terrible. Everybody celebrates the extroverts, but listen, introverts, you are valuable and precious in the sight of the Lord. He loves you and he knows your heart and he, but here's the thing, you, you, you and I, we all have to settle this, that, that we're wired up, all connected. So what we say and what we think and how we act and what our hearts feel is all connected. So number two, physical actions when mixed with faith have spiritual repercussions. Everybody say repercussions. There's a spiritual release when you act in faith. Do you remember, some of you remember the first time you raised your hand in church and you're like, oh, everybody's looking at me. You're like there and you're like, God's working with you, but you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna lift my hand. So embarrassing. But then nothing happened. Nobody made fun of you. The world didn't end. And so you try to double. And something came out of you. Something happened internally with the physical act. You guys, we gotta understand, James 2 says it clearly, in the same way faith by itself is, if it's not accompanied with actions, is dead. And then he quotes about Abraham, Finding him religious, he says in verse 26, he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Right. 
I know you're, when you read that scripture, you think about, oh, well, I need to be nice to my neighbor and I need to feed the poor and I need, no, it works with everything because you're a whole person. What goes on the inside needs to happen on the outside and what happens on the outside goes into the inside. So your actions are really important, but so is what God is doing in here and they just need to be connected. And so you can act in faith when you don't feel like it. What? Yes, I teach my kids this. It's how I teach them to take out the trash. <laughs> Nobody wants to take out the trash. I don't know what it is. The kitchen. It's the, the, the kitchen trash can. It's right there. They walk by it over and over again. It's full. It's overflowing. Somebody should take it out. Why don't they take it out? They don't want to. There's something, see, there's many things, many things in your life that you do and you don't like the feeling of it or you get uncomfortable with the feeling of it or you feel the opposite way but you know you have to act the other way. That's a very common human experience. Don't act like that's something big God's asking you to do. Any successful person has to discipline themselves to not just follow their feelings. Feelings should never lead. Feelings are good indicators they're indicators of something going on, so that's okay, you can listen to the indicators, but feelings shouldn't lead, feelings should follow. And faith leads, and then you act in faith. This is why when you, when you, when you love your enemy, when you love somebody who's been mean to you, something happens. So you love them tangibly and actively, and something happens inside you that changes you. Something happens inside them that changes them. But listen, bottom line is, praise and worship is a f function of our will. That's the last point. Praise and worship are functions of your will. You get to decide. You get to decide if you're going to be a worshiper of God. Well, I'm, you know, Pastor Ross, I'm just so uncomfortable. It's okay. Worship God in your heart. But let it make its way out. Not just in here but make its way out in your neighborhood. Make its way out in your activities and your expressions towards other people, your attitude towards other people. That's what worship does. And I'm convinced that this room, when we come here and we activate with our physical body and our minds and our souls, our emotions, that something happens inside of us that we get to carry out into our world. Do it here and you'll be able to do it there. I really believe that. And so some people are like, oh, I don't know, I, just, I, just, I don't, don't wanna be a hypocrite. Do you know that the word, I will praise the Lord is tw 21 times in the, in the book of Psalms alone. One of them is Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The psalmist is saying, I will bless the Lord because these things are true, even if I may not feel like it today. Today I feel old. I'd like my youth to be renewed like the eagles. I promise you, you enter into worship. You will feel that. 
So I, the hypocrisy argument is really interesting. I'll end with this. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to do... It's because people don't understand what hypocrisy is. People think that hypocrisy is when somehow your actions are inconsistent with your feelings, but it's not true. Put that definition up there, Alejandro. Hypocrisy is not when your actions are inconsistent. Do you have this? Yeah, you do. You got it. Come on, put it up there. It's right there. It's next. No? There it is. I knew it. (laughs) Hypocrisy is not when your actions are inconsistent with your feelings. That's a daily occurrence. (laughs) My wife wakes up and she's grumpy. Never happens. But let's say if it did. And she's yapping at me and grumpy at me and blah, 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 blah. Never happens. But if it did, my response should be, babe, what's wrong? Are you okay? What can I do? Instead, I enter into the battle. Well, you're really on a good tear today, aren't you? We all just ratchet it all up. Listen, actions are inconsistent with your feelings a lot because you've got to do some things. Hypocrisy is when your actions are inconsistent with your convictions. That's what it is. Hypocrisy is actually when your actions are inconsistent with your convictions. So the question you've got to answer today is what do you believe? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about who he is? What do you believe about what he's going to do? Does doubt and disbelief cloud your soul? Or do you have faith, even a seed, even a tiny seed that you could offer to him? And so I want you to stand up and I want you to, we're gonna enter into a time of worship and we're just gonna respond and I want you to do something today. I want you to try to do something new. I want you to try to engage God with your faith. And that requires an action. Maybe it's communion in your seat back pocket. You could take communion. Communion is a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. It's It's the symbol of Christ and his blood and his body, his brokenness that makes us whole. But most of you have done that before. I want you to think about how you can enter into something that is uncomfortable for you, but you're willing. Because some of you are in the middle of something bad in your life. Some of you are struggling in some, in some important areas and the only thing that's gonna fix it is God himself. So I want you to worship him I want you to come to him, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of where you are, and I want you to begin to allow yourself to engage, worship him, have faith, lift your hands, get on your knees, lay on the floor maybe, go pace around the outside of this auditorium, 
Go pray with somebody else. Prayer team, would you come forward? If you need prayer for something, I want you to come forward for prayer. and Don't hesitate. So, Father, we just come before you and we ask you to work in us and work through us. Let us enter into whole person worship. Forgive us for segmenting our lives. Forgiveness for dividing it up and only giving you a portion. We give you the whole thing today. We give you all of it. We ask you to have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen.